0: We are kindly sponsored by SliderStock. They are a bespoke auction and e-commerce platform. So if you guys need them, hit them up at www.sliderstock.com. Welcome to our next episode of Squadcast. Today we have Natalie from AnaCare Laser Solutions. Hi, Natalie. Hi there. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming. Um, This is one that I've been looking forward to. Um, We, I think, it's an up-and-coming kind of alternative therapy, Um, and hopefully, Natalie is going to enlighten us a little bit more. Um, So, just explain what laser therapy is for those who maybe don't know.
1: Yeah sure so laser therapy is the delivery of photons so light energy um, applied to different areas of the body basically so we're applying different wavelengths and different outputs of red and near infrared light um, to a target area so wherever the problem area is Um, and the application of um, that light basically produces a physiological reaction so um photobiomodulation is the is the fancy term for wow that. yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> which uh, which basically means uh, sort of stimulation of the cell with light um so after this sort of stimulation has occurred with the different wavelengths you get a host of different effects um that, that come after that which which is obviously our end goal for stimulating healing to start happening um so we get vasodilation so that's dilation of the local blood vessels in the area and right. you get a big delivery then of hemoglobin to the tissue so that's the oxygen carrying um, part of the red blood cell Yeah. And the other thing that happens um when lasers delivered is you get a big influx of something called atp so that's adenosine triphosphate um and that's something that is in our body all the time and that's what um is produced to give our cells the energy to um to to deal with any damage recover. yeah to to um stimulate repair um so all of those kind of things happening um you in, know in, in sequence is what gives us the effects and the photobiomodulation um that gives us the, the good effects that we're looking for with laser
0: that's brilliant now, so it all kind of happens all at once kind of
1: so yeah so, so you you get some um, you get stimulation of um all those effects so a, a cascade of effects that um that gets stimulated as soon as you start the process um it is cumulative so the more you treat the better the results right so it's uh, it's not something that you could see results with uh, immediately after sort of one session but we normally say kind of four to six sessions into a cycle that you'd reach a kind of peak of those effects
0: brilliant um, and then so so with that said if you were to have kind of four to six sessions and and saw a brilliant difference yeah. would you then continue to to kind of keep it up or would it then be cured so to speak
1: yeah so if uh, if we're dealing with a chronic disease process so like your IVDD or osteoarthritis or anything like that um you do need to to keep this up so a lifetime condition requires a lifetime of treatment, basically. Um, so after the initial kind of six sessions, and once we've judged the results, you would then start to look at a maintenance programme where you'd start to spread those sessions out. Right, more. OK. Um, and, and basically, we just see how far we can take it with spreading the sessions out to try and gauge what the maintenance programme should be. Um, and obviously, each animal and each case is different. So yeah. it's, it's very much um, not black and white. and error. Yeah, down down to, you know, seeing symptoms coming back and that kind of thing. Um, So that's how we judge that going forward.
0: Brilliant. Um, And are there different types of laser or is it just the specific
1: one that you use? Um, There are different types. So... um first of all just to kind of reiterate with this talk we're talking about a therapy laser and that's not the laser that we maybe think of that cuts skin um so obviously you've got the the big medical lasers that they use in surgery and that kind of thing and and they're there to ablate the tissue or split the the tissue um this is a laser that's not going to do that it's purely there to provide therapeutic effects so um that's quite often something that that we get asked is it going to hurt and um people think of this thing that maybe re- is going to require yes. an um it's not it's not the case um with with this group of lasers and um, so these fall into the cold laser category um so and then the other ones obviously are producing a lot of heat and that's part of how it ablates the tissue um so the main differences in the type of lasers that we use is that there's sort of two different classes that are generally on the market at the moment and are used by practitioners and you've got a class 3 or a class 3b and a class 4 laser um and the main difference between those is the power output um so you have different wavelengths and different power outputs and it's the power output combined with the wavelength that determines how deep the laser can penetrate into different tissues right. and yeah. um, so obviously to to get the depth um in the muscle of a of a horse for example is going to require a lot more uh, power output than than potentially to to treat a hamster or something like that yes. um so that's kind of what we're looking at um having said that more power doesn't always equal better results um so with the laser that we use we've got the the kind of choice to dial down the power on different settings and um some cases we'll look at and just think you, you know do you know what we this need a steady yeah we'll we'll take a, a gentler approach here and um and start at a much lower level um, yeah. and kind of work our way up so um we so we use a class four laser um but there's absolutely nothing wrong with the the class three lasers the class three b lasers it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to have as good a result
0: results yeah
1: yeah so it it just kind of means with the one that we use that we've got more choice um and and potentially um you know could get could get better results if needed because of the extra power that's there
0: yeah Uh, that's available and and how in comparison to kind of other alternative therapies um Uh, Would you use it alongside maybe like hydrotherapy or physiotherapy or something? Or would it be an alternative to that?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So we use it alongside other therapies all the time. Um, It can be used either way. So we've got some patients that are just on laser and nothing else. We've got um, others that are on a variety of different medications, plus laser, plus hydrotherapy plus uh physiotherapy my uh, gosh so yeah it, it really depends on the condition um the amount of chronic pain that's being shown um right. what a disease process we're dealing with and obviously finances as well Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. because if, if somebody's insured up to the hilt and can do absolutely everything um that's available then you know we we do Potentially a number of different therapies. Um, what I would say to anyone who's kind of wanting to start out, or, or potentially someone who's got a new diagnosis, yeah. um, is not to pile everything in at once. Um, all these therapies can go really well together, but we try and start them off in stages this can work both ways really it works very well alongside different therapies um or you know just just alone is absolutely fine as well so we've got obviously a huge variety of different patients that are in different disease processes so we've got some that are just on laser and nothing else we've got some that are on a variety of different medications and laser and then you can add in hydrotherapy you can add in physiotherapy um chiropractor you, you know the, the, oh, the kind of yeah this works alongside any anything really um
0: but so, just best just to kind of start with one see how you get on and see the effectiveness and then
1: introduce yeah. you- Absolutely. absolutely. So anybody who's kind of just had a new diagnosis um, and obviously if your pet's been diagnosed with something and you kind of have a bit of a panic and there's the temptation there to just throw everything at it yeah really hope hope for the best and because you're desperate to see them get better um but really we need to know what's going to work best for that animal so it might be that um laser would be your first choice for chronic pain relief um it might be that your pet's already on a non-steroidal like Metacam, Rimadyl, or, or whatever else and you think this isn't you know this isn't doing Everything it should be doing, I'm going to add something else in. So you'd you'd add laser. And then later on down the line, we'd we'd look at something like hydrotherapy. Um, but regardless of order, um, it, it's a definite process of uh, of layering the treatments on rather than chucking everything in there at once.
0: Absolutely, yeah, totally understand. Um, so how do they run in terms of I know you've mentioned each condition and kind of the individual pet needs different kind a number of treatments should I say yeah. but um where do you begin what's your do you do a consultation first and then go from there or
1: yeah absolutely so uh if, if we've had a, a referral from a veterinary practice um, or if we're working out of one of our veterinary clinics, um, then obviously we've already got the history there. We can see what's happening um, or we, re- we request those details to be sent through and then kind of get a bit of a picture as to the treatment plan ongoing um, have a consultation and obviously explain everything to the owner, find out what therapies they're already doing, what their kind of um, worries are with what they're seeing their pet do at home um, we kind of go through a list of questions as to, you know, have they stopped doing this? Have they stopped doing that? Are they unable to jump onto the sofa anymore? How are they doing on walks? Obviously, you go through everything that's going to build us a picture of of how, you know, how that condition is affecting that animal. Yeah, um, absolutely. Then we proceed uh, with a block of six sessions to start off with. Uh, so as I mentioned before, it is cumulative. So kind of one session, although it can be beneficial, it's not you won't be, see the full effect of yeah, it. yeah that's that's yeah. it it doesn't have a very long lived effect um We do see some temporary pain relief after each session. So you do get that after the first session. Um, And an instant relief for them. Yeah, that's it. And they do tend to really enjoy it as well. Once they get used to the idea that you're not going to stick a needle in them or do anything like (laughs) that, Um, then it is quite enjoyable and we get them really keen to come back. Um, So those initial six sessions, we try and do them twice a week um so once or twice a week over three to six weeks um and then once we've gauged the initial effect we then as, as we mentioned go on to kind of a maintenance session uh right. so some if they've just had surgery and that surgery is corrected the problem then we might choose not to carry on if we're talking like we are the majority of the time about chronic long-term conditions we'd start to split those sessions down one a week one every 10 days one every 14 days and right. start out um and then really gauge the response uh obviously for the animal and the owner we want the least trips to the vet <laughs> as, as Absolute, we can yeah say.
0: that's the that's the aim of the
1: game yeah um and obviously Amazing. we do we do quite a lot of wound treatments and things like that as well they might only need one or two sessions once that wound is resolved then then that's that obviously
0: yeah so this is super interesting so so say they've had surgery or something like that, you will um, treat the wound to kind of quicken up the healing process. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So because of the way this works, um, the the vasodilation, the stimulation of haemoglobin into the tissue, the release of the ATP, that's kind of creating a cocktail for uh, these kind of amazing healing powers. And so we generally see that surgical wounds or non-surgical wounds will heal in pretty much half the time that the body can do you know yeah under its own steam Mm. Um, obviously because of the area that we work in we see lots of wounds that are post-orthopedic surgery and that kind of thing uh so obviously we're we're treating the limb and the joints potentially as well as the the actual wound itself um Mm. but also dog bites um you know traumatic injuries and that kind of thing we see a lot of those as well and it certainly does uh, significantly speed up the healing process um quite amazingly so in some cases sometimes (laughs) I'm genuinely shocked by oh
0: that's so good though
1: yeah so it's kind of reassuring to see um you know that, that is the case yeah um, I think there's unfortunately on the Internet, there's there's kind of research to the contrary, but it it really does depend on the type of laser that they're using um, and, and all kinds of different aspects. So but certainly uh, we get very good results with this one and, and we get a lot of return business from our vets. So that speaks volumes, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I always say, and and I was speaking with them, um, bought by many on my previous podcast and they are real advocates of alternative therapies, which I think yeah. is fantastic.
1: Yeah, um, no, that's really good.
0: And I think, like you said, that does speak volumes because you know insurance companies and vets wouldn't support the use of such kind of therapies if they didn't truly believe in it. Um, yeah. So it's fabulous. I think it's great. Um and. You know, the more that we know about them and the more that we can share, um, then hopefully, you know, it enlightens people and to other kind of ways of healing and
1: treatments and things. So it is really good. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's quite hard for vets as well because it's not something that's particularly covered when they're at uni um yes. so it's it, it's kind of something that unless you've seen it with your own eyes it's it's easy to be quite sort of uh wary Distance about it yeah recommending that to a client um which I, I know you kind of mentioned that you wish that that had been recommended to you at, in in previous instances and Absolutely. Um, it, it is uh, one of those things that we try to kind of approach them and say, you know, would, would you like to try this? Would you like to try a clinic and uh, refer a couple of patients and see what the results are? And it is quite hard to kind of get them on, on board. Convinced uh, enough to, yeah, to feel the for it. That's um, it. Uh, which I totally understand, but luckily the practices that we do work out of um, once they've kind of seen it for themselves, they, they are all too keen.
0: That's <laughs> to brilliant. Refer um, cases. And- just talking about um a little bit about my experience and and what we kind of lacked or sh- wish that we'd have known this is certainly one of them um yeah. but just I, obviously ivdd is a big problem amongst yeah. dachshunds in general um but laser therapy would be super beneficial for this wouldn't it
1: yeah absolutely um, so as you said it, it is unfortunately all too common um, and obviously what we're dealing with with the dachshunds is is a congenital um, ab- abnormality and defect uh, rather than the fact that they're, they're just old age so we're seeing it in younger and younger um, animals unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so obviously where where you've got the, the loss of the disc material um, and then you get subsequent massive inflammation. um i mean there's kind of two different processes obviously as well you, you get the kind of slow burner which uh, you you kind of just would would get very mild symptoms to start off with and and then something that can end up you know qu- quite painful and have neurological effects as well or you can get the real catastrophic spinal injuries where you've had a disc that's literally exploded. Yes. Um, yeah. and and you get the, the the quite immediate loss of use of the back legs um which, which is obviously very distressing for for owners and um, so in both instances the kind of uh, mild chronic cases and the very acute ones um it's beneficial to add laser in as soon as possible really and um, the sooner you get on top of that inflammation that's that's in that local area the kind of the better the results will be right. um, and i know there's kind of um in some cases we get cases referred to us and they've had spinal surgery but people have waited a good sort of six or eight weeks and said oh now is a good time to add laser in um and yes that's great but the kind of research that that we see um shows that it's actually far better to add it in as soon as possible and and even before surgery if that's going to be possible if there is a surgical candidate um that's really
0: good to know because i think you would be tempted to wait wouldn't you until they've like almost healed from their surgery you know physically healed from their surgery um but that's really interesting because I would have I would have probably waited as well so
1: yeah I mean it's all it's an unfortunate situation especially if it's acute an acute sort of um spinal episode it's really distressing it's all too much the last thing you think about is is trying to you know get other therapies on board as well yeah you just want to to find a vet that will help you and um you know and operate if needed and and that's all really stressful um I mean a couple of the centers we work out of have orthopedic referral there so we quite often get the animals that where we turn up for a clinic and it's literally just happened or they'll call and say you know that this has happened can can we arrange a treatment um, straight away and then if they've had spinal surgery already then we just um will start treatment immediately as soon as that surgery has been done um even potentially on the table before they get woken up from their anesthetic um obviously the more blood supply the more ATP release you can get going the in better. there the quicker that healing process will be um and you do kind of need to go softly softly with it you, you you can cause you know you can cause damage if you go in there and do the wrong thing um but obviously that's kind of what we're trained for and um, yeah. you need to sort of start off sort of slow and steady and mm. not go too too powerful um to, with these guys definitely um but yeah and then we and we get we get very good results quite often as well we'll have referrals from um, cases that really should be a spinal surgery um it, it's it's definitely an indication to have surgery but if you've got owners that can't afford that surgery they're not insured um you've got a dog that's not able to use its back legs. Um, as long as we can see some um kind Over- of yes yeah, some some sort of reason to to carry on with treatment i.e you've still got some neurological, you know some some nerve function working there yeah um when you kind of do your reflex tests and things then we, we can start laser and and we've had cases where you know they, they've been sort of told this is not going to happen this dog's not going to walk um it's four or five months down the line and we're still not seeing much use of the back legs uh we've had cases that have improved and started walking again within wow. sort of eight weeks of starting laser so it, it it's definitely something that's worth trying um and that's not a promise that, <laughs> that it, somebody's it, dog that's not walking is, is going to suddenly have a miraculous recovery. That's that's just sort of putting it out there that it's definitely worth a try uh, for those patients. As, cases as well,
0: when the dogs are in their position, whether they've had surgery or not, it is a case of trial and error. Um, yeah. We, we did some hydrotherapy with Missy and Duke, actually, and we were really fortunate that both, with both dogs it worked really well but had i have had kind of the knowledge about laser and um maybe some other bits and bobs i would have also kind of wanted to try those as well so yeah i think it's it's just opening pe- I, I i'm just fascinated by it all and i think um it, because it can be used on other conditions as well can't it um you must have seen other dactyls yeah, with, with other kind of ailments and things
1: yeah definitely so unfortunately the majority of our caseload is probably made up with arthritic dogs um, and obviously the dachshunds are no different uh, mm. unfortunately because of the the shape of their little legs uh, they are quite prone to to sort of just ongoing damage to the joints which ultimately unfortunately ends up in in osteoarthritis Um, so that's that's something that we see a lot of um, and we can get is that
0: in in generally in older when does that uh, when do you normally see cases of that appearing
1: it really can vary Uh, so we can see hip and elbow dysplasia in a two-year-old dog Um, so yeah and then you've got arthritis starting you know around that same period as well really once once they've got to their full their full growth um if if you've got joints that aren't sitting at the right angle if you've got short uh shortened legs and that kind of thing which are just changing the angle of everything that's going on there um, yeah. you start to get immediate damage unfortunately so we have got some very young dachshunds uh w- w- which is a shame and then yeah it's it's something that if luck if you're lucky uh, you kind of will, will get a, a good lifetime of of no problems or very little problems and then yeah. when they get a bit old and creaky um, we start getting the little old guys that get carried in in their beds and oh, <laughs> have a nice relaxing session and then get carried home again oh um, so but I think it's actually it can be sometimes a little bit underdiagnosed in the smaller breeds because it's so easy just to scoop them up um and carry them if if they're struggling. Um, and you're maybe not quite so inclined to go on the big long walks that you potentially would do with a Labrador or something like that. Um, they're quite happy just to have a little tootle about and and go home again. So yeah. I think some problems do get picked up a little bit later on, uh, just because of the type of dog they are.
0: <laughs> no, I totally agree with this, and I see it in Missy, who is 10 and a half now we do quite long walks every day um yeah. but we kind of skip a day with her um quite often because we've maybe done too much with her or yeah. um and she's had three spinal surgeries as well so wow. you know you notice kind of the if we've done a really long one that's quite rocky and climby, and, and
1: yeah see, the
0: next day she's really stiff and quite slow and it's like oh yeah yeah but yeah, yeah
1: it's the
0: tendency you know she doesn't need that really long walk whereas those bigger dogs like you would notice it because you would take them out the next day and they'd be kind of really stiff and sore and and you would just pick up on it quicker I suppose yeah
1: yeah absolutely so I mean st- straight away kind of you know if if you said that to us in a clinic we'd be saying right you know th- those walks need to be cut down yeah um, so the 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 fact that that dog you know is not going to be able to manage a walk the next day it is kind of an indication that as you said that's much. much done and it's really easy to do because we kind of stride about and and have a chat with the person we're walking with and and you, you kind of don't really think about it yeah. but those- legs are pummeling away next to you, <laughs> trying, you know, I know. Sort of trying to do the best they can and the thing is that they absolutely love it as well and while they're on a walk the adrenaline takes over um they're into all the sniffs and everything and it doesn't occur to them that this is going to have a secondary effect the next day yeah um, so they do just kind of carry on. Um, so once they kind of get to that stage, we just kind of say, cut it right down, do 15 or 20-minute walks max, um, little and often rather than... um the long ones. Yeah, the big long ones. And it, it's hard as well because if you're at work all week, you want to go on a nice long walk at the weekend. And that's when we sort of see the, the kind of peaks of inflammation occurring when, you know, everyone's had their, their nice weekend walk and then all of a sudden... <laughs> really sore stiff dogs (laughs) yeah um but but certainly if in that case if you potentially added in laser uh you might find that she can go that little bit further and that you're not getting that after effects um of that inflammation yeah when um, when you are doing a longer walk um but I mean other things we see as well luxating patellas unfortunately yeah, really I've
0: heard a lot of cases of this recently actually I was going to yeah. ask about it um so just what is that just a bit of background for us
1: so the patella is is the kneecap um the same as in our leg um so it's when it dislocates basically out of its groove in the top of the tibia um so normally it would glide up and down quite nicely in, in this groove and, and that's what um it gives the dog the ability and, and us to flex and extend our leg um and normally that would happen you wouldn't think anything of it um but if you've if you've got poor confirmation of of the bones to start off with um and obviously in in the little dapsies when they've got such short legs um they're kind of already on on a <laughs> not not on a bit question. of a losing battle yeah it's, it's a losing battle for them already because um the the top the angle of um that top part of the tibia is is just not sitting right um so over time and sometimes it doesn't even really take that long the patella is kind of in this groove that's either too shallow or you know it's at the wrong angle it, it's kind of sloping out to one side or the other um right. you start to get erosion of the cartilage very quickly um there and then and then eventually you'd obviously get kind of a bone on bone action or you just get it slipping off to the side and it's just constantly constantly popping out of its of its normal resting place um so and and that's obviously painful <laughs> um, yeah it sounds so, awful awesome. yeah so it's not great and um kind of those kind of breeds and the the sort of um you know the the bull breeds and that kind of thing that have those legs that kind of point slightly outwards at the knee yeah uh, they're they're unfortunately really prone to it so they're they're kind of uh scored on different levels so you can get a really mild um patella luxation that is just going to cause you you, you see it as a bit of a skip when they're walking along so they'll be walking along and there'll suddenly be a couple of little skips and then they'll just go on walking normally um so that would be considered fairly mild um and then obviously the other end of the scale we've got um you know constant lameness um and, and discomfort there as well so at the milder end of the scale we Potentially, you wouldn't dive straight in and do surgery, but you could you could maybe manage that with with something like a combination of laser and hydrotherapy, or laser and physiotherapy, or all three. Um, to try and build up the muscle in different places to stabilize that that knee um, and obviously the laser to reduce the inflammation and pain in that joint um, and obviously that's not going to correct the problem um but it might buy you the time if you've of, got an, an older yeah. dog um so uh, obviously if you've got a young dog and it's a very severe case then you know surgery would be the option to sort that out um, definitely yeah yeah and equally, after surgery, we'd, we'd, we'd go in and we'd do laser on that as well because it would just uh, reduce the healing time, uh, the recovery Brilliant. time of that surgery. Um, what else do we see? So carpal valgus. Um, so oh, that, that sounds amazing yeah, amazing well. so that. It's kind of a similar thing, really. Again, it's to do with their poor little short legs. Um, so this is at, at the front where um, it's sometimes described as kind of queen anne legs. So right. when they kind of have these, these slightly bowed legs and they yeah. um, they end up sticking out um, for, kind of from their wrist downwards, so from the carpus downwards, um, so that's sort of carpal valgus, and and that's really caused by um, uh, the the short the shortening of the bone. So a short ulna, uh, so where one bone has kind of reached its normal length and the other bone in the front leg uh, hasn't kind of reached its goal, so you end up with a oh. twisting yeah twisting of those bones there um and that obviously throws the next joint out at a funny angle so we get that and and that again results unfortunately in sort of arthritic changes in that joint and they can be quite sore so that's something we do a lot of as well in in dachshunds. unfortunately <laughs> no.
0: they're not they're not very well um built are they
1: <laughs> no no they're not well done i mean they, they obviously are super cute but um over the years kind of if you obviously look back at them they they had kind of longer legs unfortunately. they did longer um, legs
0: shorter backs yeah bigger heads um but i, I suppose you know I, I have to remind myself of this when when i do these podcasts that it's not even just like health conditions in general every breed has its kind of predispositions doesn't
1: it they really do you'll, yeah.
0: you'll see it more than more than most
1: aspects yeah, as well
0: absolutely
1: um, yeah uh yeah i mean I, I can't really think of many now <laughs> that uh that don't have any problems like, i just i think no. that even funny um the the good old crossbreeds are, are kind of hardier and and still seem to have le- less issues um but there's just less of those around because yeah <laughs> generally we've all got pedigrees um so yeah the but uh yeah it, it it's kind of something that just needs really people to look into obviously before
0: absolutely you get
1: dogs um as i'm sure you know and it's uh and having a dachshund obviously you need to be aware of Prepared. those issues. yeah ensure your dogs people
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely um 100 percent. so um if if anyone has any concerns about wounds or any conditions and yeah. wanted to find a laser therapist yeah um, obviously there's you guys um but how would people go about finding one
1: um so it can be quite hard sometimes um there there are increasingly more veterinary practices that are getting them so it's it's worth asking your vets outright if it's something that they offer uh because it's sometimes something that they do have but it kind of gets forgotten um yeah you know, and it, it's it's sometimes not offered so we do find we get some referrals and we, we kind of think oh you know your practice has actually already got one yeah <laughs> so we kind of contact them back and say oh have, have you asked and uh, when people do actually ask they, they kind of go oh yeah um so obviously other than that you'll find that certain physiotherapists and chiropractors may have lasers um you i mean just going onto google and and kind of searching veterinary laser practitioners or veterinary laser in your area uh, will quite often throw up the nearby practices and things that would have one brilliant so yeah so they, they are they are sort of very easy to find and if, if we get people contacting us and they're kind of outside of our area then we try and kind of locate one for them that, that they can get to more nearby easily. Yeah. um yeah because it, it's a long trip to kind of go and have something if you need to have it quite regularly you need to sort of try and find somebody that's uh, fairly local really
0: yeah definitely especially if it, yeah like you said if it's going to be a regular kind of occurrence um yeah. and although um insurance may cover uh sessions in some cases it won't always will it um so what should people kind of expect to pay because i think this is always a really tricky one because different therapies different treatments they all have kind of a ballpark
1: figure um so what should people expect to pay for laser um so prices vary depending on what you're treating um so For instance, a a wound uh, to to do a kind of a a surgical wound or an acute wound would generally be around the 15 to 20 pound mark uh, per session with us. Uh, Obviously, can't speak for for everyone else, but we try try and kind of keep them obviously all on the same level. Um, And then looking at musculoskeletal treatment so sort of the treatment of of hip dysplasia or elbow dysplasia or something like that or IVDD, you'd be looking at around sort of 30 to 35 pounds a session um but if there's dogs that we treat very very large dogs very large breeds that have got multiple joint problems uh that can take you the best part of an hour to, wow. to get the whole animal, um, so even with a very quick laser like the one we use, it can be a very long appointment. So, obviously, that's priced accordingly, and the price does move up the bigger the yeah. dog or the areas. Um, but for a, a little, little um, guy like a daxie, you, you should really be looking around the sort of 30, 30 to 40 pound mark. I would have thought, brilliant, um, that's where our price would be set anyway.
0: Fabulous. Um, well. Just so interesting. I honestly never knew when Missy and Duke had theirs. Never knew about it. I only kind of recently came across it, and even now I didn't know um about wounds and different things like that. So it's so fascinating to just get a different kind of outlook on on treatments and things. So,
1: thank you yeah. So I much. you're you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I hope over the next few years that it that you know that people do start to see the the results and it starts to be more widely used because as I said we're still kind of astounded by some of the things that that we'll use it on yeah Um, there's a there's a full list on our website there's a full list of all the conditions that you you can apply it to um, and it is a very long list uh so there's all kinds of different things like ear conditions uh gingivitis uh had teeth extracted and that kind of thing it's very very useful for a number of different things um so I hope that it does catch on and that that people become more aware of it in the next few years because the benefits uh, are fantastic Um, and we
0: were saying weren't we um when we had a chat prior to this that it's actually much wide more widely used in the rest of Europe we're kind of yeah was it the rest of Europe or the rest of the world um, yeah it,
1: it really is so so uh, Spain have used it quite a lot um there's some some very kind of um you know knowledgeable laser specialists uh, in in Europe um and the US they use it massively uh it's quite widely used now in sports therapy for people oh, right so, yeah so it, it's kind of a it, it is definitely catching on I think as. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the technology was probably holding it back. You need the specific technology to deliver this in a way that it's actually going to work. Um, you know, there's there's kind of old older sort of lasers that are around now that just don't have the technological capability to to do the job that they say that they do. And I mm. think that's where sometimes you get some some bad press. Um, yeah,
0: I, I guess there's quite a lot of. Um insinuating conditions isn't there, that that yeah. affects the um the kind of result of laser you know like you said it depends on the laser itself more importantly it does it, it so, depends yeah.
1: yeah it depends on that it, it depends on the practitioner as well um and the way that you apply it uh which it kind of doesn't sound like it would make too much of a difference but it it, it really does um It's kind of not looking at the one specific area where the problem is, but all of the surrounding potential issues as well. You know, kind of which part of the spinal cord does that limb relate to? We need to be treating that as well because we need to follow the nerve pathway, you know, up up to its root in order to get on top of this pain. Uh, Which muscles are associated with this? And are they tight and uncomfortable as well? So you kind of do need to look at the bigger picture and not just this dog's got a sore hip and that you know that's where we're going to focus our, yeah. our bodies. um so yeah so certainly we've we've had people as well who've had laser previously and haven't seen very good results and have have then gone on to have you know much much better pain relief just because of application in different ways um so yeah. so yeah it's it's just one of those things that's worth looking into and is is worth trying definitely
0: brilliant i, I couldn't agree more yeah hundred percent um and if anyone has any questions, or like you said, if they need to find somebody um, nearby, near to them, then just drop Natalie an email. She's so helpful, um, and I'm sure you'll be able to recommend someone. Um, if not yeah, yourselves.
1: Absolutely. yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, we cover quite a large area, but you know, there are there are other practitioners that that um, obviously that cover different areas, um, and other practitioners within the same area as well. So it's just a uh, depends on the needs really of that case and and where people can get to um and then yeah we've got several veterinary surgeries we work out of as well as hydrotherapy centers um so yeah definitely we can certainly find somebody somebody for you to help you definitely. out definitely
0: brilliant thank you so much it's been absolutely brilliant and so enlightening into um laser therapy so thank you very much thank you